0: Our sermon passage is Exodus chapter 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, for I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father in law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father in law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father in law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other for their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, and that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' when Moses's father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have had a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what, are you, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them be the judge let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but at every small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we're gathered this morning in the name of Jesus. We're gathered believing that indeed you are the creator of all things. You are our hope. You are our Savior. You are our King. You are the Lord. Lord, on this day, we're gathered because we need hope. We're gathered because we need strength. We're gathered because we need peace. We're gathered because we yearn for truth. Lord, would you speak to us from your word? Would you shape us by it? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a holiday. And the in-laws are coming. They're going to break the 72-hour rule. And father-in-law is a religious leader of another faith. Merry Christmas. Well, some of that's true in this story and some of it's not. You see, there's a family reunion going on here. Moses' wife, children, and father-in-law are coming to the camp of Israel for a reunion. But Moses' father-in-law is the priest of Midian, of the Midianites, and of their God. What is to be expected from this gathering? What happens in this gathering is God works miraculously in the heart of Jethro, Moses' father in law, to lead him into the worship of Yahweh? And God works through Jethro, Moses' father in law, to, to work out somewhat of a restructuring within the religious life of Israel to give them greater, more continual access to God's wisdom. And this story is planted right in a very unique spot in the book of Exodus. The people have been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They've been through miraculous event after miraculous event after miraculous event, Seas parted, armies destroyed, miraculous water provided, miraculous food provided, more miraculous water provided, more armies destroyed. And now we come to this story about Jethro, Moses' family, And God preparing his people to receive his law. And what we see in this is that God is at work not just to deliver Israel from Egypt, but to accomplish all of his purposes through his people. Jethro represents the nations. The nation's coming to know Yahweh. And God uses Jethro to position Moses and his people to more faithfully walk in God's wisdom. So this coming of the in-laws, this family reunion, is a key transition in what God's doing in the life of Israel. And so let's look At God's work in these two unique ways in the life of Israel. So, the first way is the first point, if you're taking notes, and I've called it surprising worship. Surprising worship. Somebody knew that was coming. First point, surprising worship. Verses 1 through 12. What we see in these verses is it tells us it reintroduces the family of Moses. His wife is Zipporah. His sons are Gershom and Eleazar. And his father-in-law is Jethro. We last saw the family mentioned in Exodus chapter 4. And the story assumes that somewhere between Exodus chapter 4 and where we are now, Moses sent his wife and sons to be with her family during this great travail in Egypt. And what we see is that now they're coming back. Now, what do we need to know of this family? Tells us that Jethro is the priest of Midian. He's the priest of another people. He's a religious leader of another people who are not descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are not in a covenant relationship with Yahweh. And he's coming to the camp of Israel. So what happens in this reunion? Well, it begins with the expected and then it moves to the surprising. The expected shows up in verse seven. It says that Moses shows honor and deference to Jethro, his father-in-law. He went out to meet him. He bowed down and kissed him. It says that they showed concern for one another. They asked each other of their welfare And they went into the tent. It says Moses shared with him in great detail all the things that he and the people had been through. It says he tells them of what the Lord has done. And it says that Jethro found joy in the good things that God had done and the good things that had happened to Moses. This is the expected interaction. What is surprising, at least to me, as a reader of the passage, is what comes in verses 10 through 12. Because listen to what we're told. Remember Jethro, the priest of Midian. We're told he blessed the Lord. He, he worshiped. Bless the Lord is the language of the Psalms. It's the language of the worship of God's people. He worshiped Yahweh, the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the father of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He worshiped him for the powerful and great things that he had done. Verse 11, Jethro professes the superiority of Yahweh above all other gods, Now I know that Yahweh, the Lord, is greater than all gods because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. So Jethro worships Yahweh. Jethro Jethro professes the superiority of Yahweh. And then verse 12, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. So Jethro makes an offering and makes a sacrifice to Yahweh. He personally makes an offering and a sacrifice, an act of worship, an act of deference, an act of profession of his greatness to Yahweh. Potentially an act of reconciliation. Then the passage goes on. It says, And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. So Jethro shares a communal meal with Moses and Aaron and the elders of Israel as an act of gathering before the Lord. So the surprising turn of events in this story is it ends with Jethro, the priest of Midian, willfully, freely, joyfully worshiping Yahweh. Many, many pages of ink have been spilled wrestling with what do we make of this story? And my job is to digest all that and throw out the trash and try to help us understand what matters here. Either way, what is unfolding here is the one true God, the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, is making himself known through Israel. He's making himself known through the work that he's doing for his people. And that work is being heard of, it's being received, and it's bringing people into Israel his worship as he's revealing himself through his people. That's what's going on here. Yahweh is revealed through his people. Yahweh is revealed through his work. And those who will know Yahweh and will worship him appropriately will come to him. And Jethro's coming to him. Now, what does this contribute to the story of Exodus? Here's what it contributes. What God is doing in this story is not just for a single nation, it's for the whole earth. God had told Abraham from the beginning, I will bless you and I will make you a great nation that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And this story about Jethro's worship is God showing his people that what he is doing will have ramifications far beyond just Israel. Indeed, his people will be a blessing to the world because Yahweh's power is not just for one tribe, but it's for the world. Second, this shows us that God's work will be known to the ends of the earth. Yes, Moses told Jethro of all that the Lord had done. But verse 1 tells us that Jethro had already heard a whole bunch of it. That word is moving throughout the region that the God of Israel is a great and powerful God. He destroyed all the gods of Egypt. Remember, the superpower of the day. And it tells us that God will build his kingdom through the story of what he has done for his people. God will build his kingdom through the story of what he has done for his people. Now what does all that mean for us today? Well, the Lord is still building his kingdom. And he's still drawing in and redeeming people outside of the physical descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I don't know who's watching online, but I'm looking at a room full of Non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Which means God's heart for people like Jethro is why God loves us too. We're the families at the ends of the earth. And the Lord's still doing that. Here's what else it means for us. It is the story of what God has done that he uses to build his kingdom. The work of those who know the love and the mercy and the compassion of God is simply to speak of the saving power of God. He uses that testimony to build his kingdom. And when God moves in power, people are drawn to him. I simply want Us to believe that. That when God moves through the testimony of his power, people respond. We, as the people of Jesus in the year 2020, need to be renewed in our confidence that God is still working, God is still building. And people still respond to the story of his power. Let's be the ones who tell the story. Let's be the ones who speak the story. Now, we sit right here in the middle of the Advent season. Advent, looking to Christ, looking for the coming of Christ. Christ came to reveal God and God's Ways and God's word and God's grace and God's power. Christ is the message of God's power. And this Advent season says, look to Jesus. God's building his kingdom through Jesus. And it says, look out at the world and see that Christ came to redeem and to restore and to make all things new through the story of his life, his ministry, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his living and reigning now and forevermore. Let's lean into Christ and let's be those who have confidence in his power to save. Jethro blessed The Lord, Jethro, made an offering. Jethro ate with the leaders before the Lord. Second truth in this passage is surprising wisdom. Surprising wisdom. And this is verses 13 through 27. Now, I'm making a play on words here about wisdom because Jethro is going to give some wisdom to Moses. But the purpose of the wisdom that Jethro gives to Moses is so that the people would have wisdom. They would have God's desires for them in their world. So, wisdom is knowing what God desires. In a particular moment and moving, knowing how to move toward what God desires. Now there's an insight in these verses. Because what's going on is, is it says the next day Moses stood from morning till evening. Hearing the cases and the difficulties of the people in speaking God's desires to them. Now, here's the good news. Verse 15, Moses says, I do this all day long because the people come to me to inquire of God, and I make them know the statutes and his laws. Here's the good news. The people wanted to know what God desired. We spent the last few weeks walking through the failures of Israel. But one of the things going on here is in this moment, the people actually wanted to know, they yearned to know what does God want for us. And that's all coming through Moses. So the wisdom that Jethro offers is a, pragmatic, practical, administrative leadership insight. He basically says, look, if you keep doing this by yourself, you're going to burn out. And when you burn out, there's no one left then to show the people the way of wisdom. But I also think this right here is where a lot of Pastors make a misstep in this passage by making it about eight ways to not burn out and making it a passage about leadership structures. Those are simply servants of the point. It's a good thing that the people wanted God's wisdom. What Jethro ultimately does is he encourages Moses in a, in a system that multiplies the wisdom multiplies the connection points to the wisdom and increases the access to the wisdom. The purpose is that the people would be more saturated with what God desires and what God has spoken and what God wills in a situation than they currently have. Right now, it's all coming through Moses. So what Jethro then recommends beginning in verse 17, is he says, here's the adjustment. I'm sorry, verse 19. He says, you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. So Jethro's saying, look, the people want to know what God desires, keep giving it to them. But let's make an adjustment. The adjustment is, verse 21, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it's easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all the people also will go to their place in peace. When the scripture speaks of in peace, it's speaking of walking in God's ways. So what's going on here is, is Jethro saying, Let, you find faithful men, invest in them, and then over thousands, put men. And then underneath them, over each hundred, Put men. And then underneath them, under, over each 50, put men. And then underneath them, over each 10, put men. But the point, I don't believe, is the structure. The point is that at the end of it, For every 10 people, there is someone who can speak God's law, God's word, and deliver God's wisdom to their particular questions. What's being multiplied is access to wisdom and access to being pointed toward what the Lord desires. What's going on in this passage is God is using Jethro to lead his people to to walk more in wisdom, to walk more in his word, his law, his will, and his ways. And you might say, okay, why is that important? Look at the next chapter, Exodus 19. Do you know what begins in Exodus 19? God starts giving them his law. And then Exodus 20 More law. Exodus 21, more law. Exodus 22, more law. Exodus 23, more law. Makes you excited to come back to Redeemer for the next few weeks, doesn't it? But don't you think if that much law is delivered verbally to you, and it's a new concept to you. Are you gonna have questions? Yeah. Are you gonna be perplexed at times? Yeah. I mean, have you struggled to put together something that has three steps? Yeah. Like the people are going, the people of the best heart, of the best posture, of the most faith are still going to have questions. And so, what's being implemented here is a structure that gives more guidance, more direction, more wisdom, more insight, more help in walking in God's ways going forward. It's a preparation, it's an accommodation, it's a help to walk in God's ways. So God uses Jethro to position the people to receive his law and to walk in his ways. Okay, what does that mean for us? Well, let's do a little theology for a second. So God's going to give his people his law. And then in time's future, he's going to speak to his people through prophets. And then when the time was just right, Hebrews chapter 1, he's going to speak to his people definitively and finally through his son, Jesus. John 1, chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God, the revelation of God. And then when Jesus is gonna die, He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend into heaven. But before he goes, he says, I'm going to send you my helper, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to call to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So Jesus sent the Spirit to help the people remember all that he said as the word of God. And then that Spirit is going to inspire sentence. Chosen men to write God's word to us. So, how do we know God's will, God's ways, God's law, God's word, God's wisdom? We know it through Christ, we know it by the Spirit, and we know it in the word. So, one thing we take from this passage is this. Let us be a people who want God's wisdom like Israel did in this passage. Because I'm just gonna, I'm gonna crack the code for you, okay? You can go to church as much as you want to. You can go to a small group as much as you want to. You can have one-on-one accountability as much as you want to. You can go to therapy as much as you want to. But until your disposition of heart is, I'm ready to hear what God says, it won't work. So perhaps some of you need today just need to simply pray, Lord, give me the disposition of heart like the Israelites have here. Make me want your wisdom as much as I want my next breath. Here's the second thing. Run to the place where God is revealing his wisdom. Take up your scripture and read. Lean into the spirit in prayer and say, Lord, help me know your desires. Finally, there is an enduring lesson for us in this passage. God's people need other people of wisdom to help us walk in wisdom. So what's going on with the leaders of the 10 and the leaders of the 50 and the leaders of the 100 and the leaders of the 1,000 is surrounded by people to help us understand what God has spoken and know how to live in today through it. So when the New Testament talks about community, that's a good Christian buzzword these days, It's not talking about surrounding ourselves with people that we like. And it's not talking about surrounding ourselves with people that are fun. If that was the case, I would have no community because I am the definition of unfun. It is true, Dan. What's funny is in the first service when it wasn't on the internet, people said amen right there. You guys are restraining yourselves. wise. So when the New Testament talks about community, it's talking about surrounding ourselves with a people who will point us to Christ and to his word and to what he desires, even when we don't want to hear it. That's the type of community that, that we need in our world, that we need in our church and that you need in your life. So in this story, God lays out this surprising act of worship where the people see the nations coming to the one true God. And he he lays out this surprising injunction of wisdom where the people are positioned to be saturated in the wisdom of God. Both of those realities are true for us through Jesus. Let us believe that we come to God through His Son, but He is building His kingdom even now to the ends of the earth and in the most unexpected ways possible. And let us believe that we need to be covered in and surrounded by. The wisdom of God is revealed in His Word and as revealed in His Son. And then let us marvel and watch as God uses this to unfold His plans for Israel in the Exodus narrative. And as He uses this to unfold His plans for us in the here and now. So, our Father in heaven, we pray that you would take these words which you have spoken to us and that you, you would cause us to have great hope and confidence in you. And you would cause us to trust you. You would cause us to long to know your wisdom, your leadership, your guidance, your word, your truth. Now, Father, work in us, we pray, in the name of Jesus.